Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So grateful for what God is doing as we uh, lean into his word and worship him. And um, can we just welcome everybody who's joining us online at Jeffco Jail. We love you. We're grateful for you. You're part of us. And, you know, really us here at Faith, our, our desire is to create spaces for people to engage with God because we, we believe it's necessary in our journey with God. We believe that, that God wants to meet us right where we are. So we are here and we are, and how we are here is however serves you best. So thank you so much for all of us joining together, whether you're live or you're online, we're doing this. We're walking through this. God's going to meet you and he's going to speak to us today. I've really enjoyed this series as we're, we're leaning into the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And Jesus writes a letter to these seven churches that are in Asia Minor, which is now called Turkey, that area. And he writes them a letter. And actually, he, he writes a letter through John the Apostle. And Jesus appears to John, and he, John pins these words in these, in these letters to these churches to speak to them, to encourage them. And this is why, why, would, why would Jesus do this? Why would he, why would he go out of his way? I, well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loves his church. And he's a good father. And a good father meets us where we are. A good father calls things and says, I so appreciate, appreciate this about you. A good father says, hey, listen, son, listen, daughter. Yeah, I'm, I see this area in your life that, that I know that if you don't get a hold of, it's going to get you off track. Why does God do this in our lives? Because he has created us. He, there is potential before us. He wants us to be and to achieve things in our lives and in our journey with God in his kingdom. And because he knows what's best for us, he speaks to us. And he shapes us. He is committed to us. And of these churches, five out of the seven churches, Jesus speaks to a serious issue, a problem in the church. So as we walk through this, we realize, hey, listen, God, how do you want to speak to me? How do, how do these letters want to impact us? And this letter is not only to them and their region and their place, as because the word of God is active and alive and still for today, these letters transcend time, they transcend space, and it touches us today. One thing's for sure, we know there's all kinds of churches, right? There's churches that different styles, there's different doctrinal backgrounds, different, different era, different, different worship, different culture, all those things. There are different churches in the body of Christ, and we know that and we understand that. And there are a lot of things that make us different from other churches, and those churches different from other churches. But one thing that believers as the body of Christ can unite on, and that is this, that God has called us to be people of holiness. To be people that represent him well in the world. To be people that put his word above our feelings and above our desires. That's called being a people of holiness. I think a good description on the purpose of the church is this, the church is to be God's representation to a world that is in deep need to know something different. We know that people who, who are not serving God and engaging in godless 
acts and, and, and rejecting God, we know that they, they have a sense and a feeling that there's something missing in their life. We know, because many of us have come from that world, we know that they are empty, they are hurting, and they need a different model of how to live their life. And the role of the church is to be that different model and to represent God's love to them, to represent God's holiness to them, to represent God's generosity to them and to represent God as a father to them. That's what he's called the church to do. And now as we have been saved, as we have come into the kingdom of God, as we become a part of the church, to be a part of the church means this, that God brought you into his family. You, you said yes to, to the work of Christ in your life, and now you are a part of his family. You, now your identity flows from who God has made you to be through his son, Jesus Christ. And that identity is to be God's holy people. Everybody say holy. God's holy people. First Peter says this, he says, you are a, cho-. now listen, he's speaking to you. He, uh, he is affirming you today. I want you to hear these words. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's talking to you. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. You are royal priesthood. And my friends, if you are a part of the church, you are a holy people and nation. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart for a specific role, duty, job, that we are to be different than things around us. Holy people. So we're to be a holy people, representing our God to the world. And this letter from Jesus today to the church in Thyatira. And this church in Thyatira is a small church. Actually, it was a small town. These other churches we've been looking at in cities, they're big. I mean, Pergamum's huge. Ephesus is huge. This one was kind of, was in the shadow of all of those other, um, other cities. And Jesus takes time and he writes a letter to each church in each one of those cities. And this church is a, in a small town, but they had a big problem. And Jesus speaks to it because he cares. But now we have a, in a small town, big problem. Now we have this church, which is a small church, actually. It's a small church that also has a big problem. And so many times, you know, we think the devil's after, you know, the, the people on TV or the devil's after those preachers on the platform. The devil's after the big churches because that's what we hear about the, 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 the mainstream media and the fall of this pastor and this pastor of this church or this. Listen, you need to know something today. The devil is after every person that bears the name of Jesus on their lives. And he's after you because he doesn't want you to Fulfill what God redeemed you and called you to be. We know that Thyatira, living in the shadow of these big cities, they had some stuff going on. One of the things is because they were outside of the big cities, to get a job was different. And a lot of these, uh, these folks in this church, they, they worked with their hands. They were tradesmen. But in order to be a tradesman, you had to join what was called a guild, which you've heard like an actor's guild, but it's a union. And they had to join a trade union 
so they can get work. Because, you know, it's important that you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, right? That's how we get work. And so they would do that. But here's the issue with these unions in this church, or unions outside of the church, but people from the church. You had to be a part of the union. But in order for your membership to the union, you had to engage in idol worship. You had to engage in pagan offerings, whether it's food offers to idol. You had to go to the temples of these gods and participate with the people in the union. And if you did that, you, you know, you could build relationships, but also part of the acts of the pagan society. And as you worship these pagan gods, you had to engage in sexual morality as well. And so these were these, these people in this church. And that if they refused to do that, then they couldn't be in the union, then they couldn't provide for their families. And if they rejected it, that people would get angry at you, they would, they would malign you, they would reject you. And the result is you can't provide for your family. So these, these folks were in a difficult spot. So in the church in Thyatira was this teaching from a woman Jesus calls Jezebel. Anybody heard of Jezebel before? This woman called Jezebel, now just on a, on a side note, the spirit of Jezebel is not gender specific. Just happens to be in this one, and yes, Jezebel is an actual person that we'll look at in just a moment. But you can, ha you can have and be operating in the spirit of Jezebel just through your actions that are just much like her, what we're going to read about in just a moment. But, but this woman in this church was telling the people of the church, it's, it's okay to tolerate and to be a part of these rituals because really you got to make money, right? Go ahead. It really doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal for you to engage and compromise. Listen, you, you, you need to advance your career and God wants you to be blessed. So it's okay. So you can go ahead and ride the fence of have one foot in the world and one, and one foot pursuing holiness and being God's holy. It's okay. God doesn't mind. And so, and the other side of this, people were doing that. People were engaged in, in these acts of dark sin, which we'll, we'll read about in just a moment. But also people in the church were tolerating this teaching and this behavior. The leaders of the church were tolerating this teaching going on in their churches. There was pressure from the outside of the church and there was pressure from the inside of the church, false teaching to tolerate sin, to tolerate compromise because they had stopped and because of that, they had stopped representing a holy God to the world that desperately needed them to represent a holy God. The world that desperately needs hope and a different life than they're living because the one they're living outside of God is a, is a road that will take them to hell. The church wasn't providing that example. The church was, was, they were just, they looked just like them. Personally, people were giving in, and corporately, the church was giving in. So what does Jesus want to say to us today? He wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. Do you know why? Because he's a good dad. Because he wants to address some things in our life. He wants to call some things out. And there were really three types of people in this church. There were those who were doing good things. And Jesus is, is like, listen, you're, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Then there were this other group of people. They weren't doing the wicked sin, but they were tolerating the teaching. They weren't doing anything about it. They weren't speaking against it. And then there was the third group. And those were the, those who were engaged in wickedness and following the teachings of this woman that Jesus calls 
Jezebel. So let's read Revelation chapter 2, 18 through 29. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Listen, Jesus introduced himself. He's like, hey, just a reminder, I'm a big deal, okay? And he lets them know this. <laughs> I am the Son of God and my eyes are like blazing fire. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, and he's speaking to this first group, and your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. He was just, he was acknowledging, man, you are growing in your faith. You, listen, you, yes, you've given, you've done this, but you're, you're doing even better. Then he says to, to another group, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. Notice she's a self-appointed um, prophet. And notice Jesus says, that woman. I, I can just hear, like, and you know, that woman, Jezebel, he's, he doesn't like her. He loves her, he doesn't like her. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual morality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. And that's what she was having them do and say, it was okay for you to do that um, and go ahead and, and offer worship to other gods. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. This is some of the strongest language of, uh, in the scriptures that we have condemning sin and condemning. Listen, Jesus loves his church. And if you want to get in hot water with Jesus, start messing around with his church. He doesn't like this. She's leading people astray. She's deceiving people. People are buying into it. He detests that because he loves you. He loves his church. So he's, he's, he's very, very upset, angry, and will judge Jezebel. Then all the churches will know after he, he, he exercises judgment that I am he who searches the hearts and mind and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. So he will repay you according to good deeds and he will repay. Scripture says we will stand before the Lord. And as if you are a believer, you will stand before him in judgment day and you will be rewarded for your good deeds. But if you don't know Jesus, you will be judged by your sin in your life. Now I say to the rest of you, Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. So hold on to what you have until I come. So like this church in Thyatira, we have pressures in our own lives too, don't we? Pressures to conform, pressures to give in. And, as, and, and then, and then what, what I love about this, that if, as Jesus tells them, listen, if you will hold fast, like, we, like if he says to us, I want you to hold fast, I'm going to bless you if you hold fast. If you will hold fast, I'm, I'm telling you this, to the one who is victorious, that does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That, that one will rule with them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star, which is himself. Jesus is referred to as the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here's my, my admonition to you. Jesus wants to speak to us. And he wants to encourage you and he wants to correct you. Why? Because, and all of us together, because he cares and he has a plan for us. As I said earlier, just like 
them, they had pressures, we have pressures to conform. Listen, we, there are our young people and our, our students in our, in our midst and in our families are living for Jesus in a world that no one ever dreamed would actually exist. The demand on their lives to tolerate sin, tolerate lifestyles, pressures to conform themselves. Listen, you go to any university and a secular university, and I'm, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't, I'm just saying a secular university, if you were to go and say, hey, but I, I believe in God and I believe in the statutes of the, of the Bible. I believe that the Bible gives us the best life we can actually live if we follow it. This is God's design for our lives, and that's what I believe. You, will be, you want to talk about making your life miserable? Just stand up and say that. They will reject you. They will, they will malign you. They will, they will curse you. And that's demand to conform. You're going to be punished unless you, unless you conform to their ways and conform to them. You will have an incredibly horrible experience at the university. If you stand up and if you speak. Well, just like the church in Thyatira, we are seeing many churches drift from holiness because they've allowed something to come in and get them off. We're seeing the truths of God's word in churches in America for sure being ignored and Christians are tolerating sin in their lives. And many churches are, are, are preaching ideas and they're tolerating sin and, and the people of God are tolerating it too. But leaders and pastors of churches are preaching ideas. They're preaching concepts. They're preaching helpful hints for a good day or they're preaching how do, how do you handle when your order is wrong at Starbucks? You know, seven steps to a happy life and more coffee. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's interesting. But they preach these things. But they're not preaching the unaltered Word of God to God's people. As a people of God, the Word of God is what we need to remain walking the life God's called us to walk. And as a result, as a result of the Word not being preached and believers not understanding the, the need to have the Word in their life, we're seeing our churches and the people of God that many have lost their attractive, beautiful shine of purity and holiness. Jesus addresses this. I began this series by asking the question, hey, listen, you know, we're reading these letters that Jesus wrote to the church. If Jesus was to write us a letter today and people were to read of, of our life and our journey today and this life and the church in 50, 100, 200 years could read a story or a letter written to us, is it something that we would be proud of? What would Jesus need to correct and what would he need to shift in our lives? Why, and again, I want to remind you, why, why, why would God do that? Because he loves you, he cares for you, and here's the great thing about it. Our story is not finished. If you've got air in your lungs, you have an opportunity to rewrite any, any story in your life that God wants to rewrite. I hope you know that. God is calling us. Now, the, now my hope is that as the church in the future looks back on us, they're like, that church, they remained God's people and holy in the midst of very, very dark, interesting times. Isn't that what you want to be as a church? You want to be holy, right? The truth is God is still calling his people to be holy, to be his representatives to, to a world that God so desperately wants to reach through us. And he wants us to be a representative of what it means 
to love God. And he's longing to help us become pursuers of holiness. It's a journey. It's a journey to pursue. Yes, we are, when we come to Christ, we're saved, we're redeemed, we're sanctified. But we walk out. We are sanctified in his eyes, but we walk out our holiness every day of our lives. So how to guard yourself in the pursuit of holiness. In each letter, Jesus gives us his credentials up front. He wants us to know who he is. He lets them know, listen, I have authority to affirm, to correct, and to change you because I'm your leader and I love you. And it's important we understand the one who calls us his own, he is our authority. He is our leader. He, he, listen, he doesn't do what we tell him to do. We do what he tells us to do, right? He is our Lord and we submit ourselves to him. Why, why do we do what God says? Because he created us, because he knows best. Because he knows what's best for you. And he wants us to live the life he paid for with his own blood. He, he, listen, why, why does he lead us and correct us? It's not because he wants to be mean. It's because he's like, man, you've got so much ahead of you. If you could just live this life that I've called you and, and pursue me, I'll help you hold to the standards. I'll help you make these decisions. But if you do that, you're going to live the life you never thought was possible in me. That's why God does this. And as we, as we follow him, we will have the life of joy, life of peace, the life of love, and experience all the byproducts of pursuing holiness. So how to guard yourself in the pursuit of holiness. Now, I know it's a little quiet today, and I know it, it, maybe it feels like, man, he said Jezebel, and I don't know what he's going to say, and I, I'm not feeling, listen, listen, just hang on for a second. Jesus wants to meet you today. He wants to speak to you. He does not come, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save us. So reject condemnation and let's walk in the grace of God and thank God for being a good daddy who just speaks to us like we're sitting right here, right? So that's what we want. So how to guard yourself in the pursuit of holiness is number one. Remember, nothing is hidden from Jesus, the Son of God. Now, how many know this? When, when you were growing up, if you knew mom and dad were watching, you acted a little different, right? If you knew that, that dad, dad, dad can see me, I'm going to probably act a little different. The church in Thyatira at first glance was representing Jesus well. We read they're doing this well, they're doing this well. And he sees their good works. And he says to the faithful followers, I see your good, your, I, I, you've been faithful in troubled times. You've served your neighbor. You, you love each other. You love others in the church. You've financially given. You, you, you give time. You serve. You've been consistent and you have persevered when it wasn't easy. And I know it wasn't easy. And I'm so proud of you. You can hear the tone in his, in his writing. And you're, not only that, you're doing more than what you did. You are maturing and growing. And I'm proud of you. And this is what Jesus he, is, he sees them, he sees this group, and he sees the good things in their life. But that wasn't the only thing that Jesus saw in the church. That wasn't the only group of people Jesus saw in the church. He saw everyone. And so he wants them to know that he sees all things. That's why in verse 18 he says this, These are the words of the Son of God, which was speaking of his, pos of his position, and whose eyes are like blazing fire. Listen, this is, this is not a weak Jesus. Like in, in your mind, this, this word picture is like the son of God, eyes blazing fire and his feet burnished bronze. Like this, hang on, Jesus big deal. And Jesus introduces himself and in letting them know that he carries all authority and all power over their lives. 
of the divine son of God. And because, because of that, he could see the church's deepest, darkest secrets with his eyes as flames of fire. So what did Jesus see in this church? Well, behind the group he saw that he was complimenting, he saw a dark spot of cancerous sin destroying them from the inside out and that he was reminding them, you need to take me seriously. Jesus was bringing them accountability. Listen, accountability is not a bad thing. Accountability means someone else knows what's going on in your life. Jesus was being, holding them accountable. He was giving them accountability. And listen, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to know we are accountable to God. And a guard for us in the pursuit of holiness is to know Jesus sees all things that we think might be hidden. And as a, as a child of God, we need to know this. I am accountable to God. Why? He's my father. And I'm accountable to him. And he sees us and is watching us. Now, he's not watching us, so he's like, I'm going to get you. I'm waiting for you to mess up. No, that's not the right thing to say. He's watching us because he loves us. He's watching us to help us stay the course that leads to a life that is lived to the fullest. He's watching us to, to, to give us corrections along the way so we can have a life of joy and peace and better relationships and joy and, and be free of condemnation and be free of shame and walk in the peace and the loving goodness of our God. That's what he wants. And that feeling of accountability, actually, in Scripture, it's called the fear of God. Now, fear is not a bad thing. It means you respect God. It means you honor God with your life. It means you don't want to misrepresent him. You don't want to hurt him by disobedience. That's what it means. Matter of fact, Proverbs 9 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you want to know why we've got um, people coming out of universities that have lots of knowledge but have zero wisdom, and we got these crazies coming out. I mean, they're just, they're just knuckleheads. Why? Because the universities, of course they can't give wisdom because they have rejected that God is even real. So the beginning, if they, listen, they're trying to teach wisdom. They don't even know the beginning of it because it is fear of the Lord God Almighty. Same way with our lives. We can't walk in wisdom unless we understand. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So this is important. The fear of God is not a bad thing. It's a good thing and necessary that will guard us as we pursue holiness. It's, it's, it's okay for us to realize God is watching. Listen, when I was growing up, I, I thank God for my, for my dad. He had three, three sons. I had a younger sister. I was the youngest of the sons. I loved him. He was he was. I love him. He's, a, he's a, an amazing man of God, and he's a, a, a hard worker, and, and, uh, and I'm grateful. But when I was growing up, um, and I had temptation to rebel or to sin or to kind of get in trouble or do some things, um, what kept me on the path of righteousness <laughs> was my dad might find out. Not because he was unpredictable, not because he was mean, not because he was angry. He was not. He was a quiet, strong father who would not allow his four children to be disobedient to him, especially to mom, nor to God. And having a good father, though, as I was preparing, having a good father for me, I was like, this, it kept me 
from doing stupid things that I'd have to bring in baggage into other relationships in my future. As I grew in my, my adult life, because I had a father who was, I was accountable to, that he didn't, we didn't mess around because he was guarding us from doing stupid things that would leave regret and shame that, that might ruin me for the rest of my life. When I look back, I don't, I'm like, I wish you didn't care so much, Dad. Dad. I'm like, no, I got, God, thank you for giving me a father that cared enough for me to discipline me and to keep me on the right way. Understanding this will guard us to be able to benefit from God's way instead of reaping the bitterness and the pain of our ways. Remember, Jesus sees all things. You might be thinking, listen, I knew it. God just wants to punish me. No, he wants to bless you. And he wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you to carry the filth of shame or regret. He wants you to live a blessed life and he knows the only way possible for that is that if you follow him, because he loves you and he wants you to, to see your future. He wants you to, to see and understand that you have something amazing in front of you if you'll just pursue holiness and allow his word to be the guide of your life. Another way to guard your life in the pursuit of holiness as the people of God and a holy nation. Number two, we need to refuse to tolerate sin and bad doctrine. So in this church, you had those who were tolerating sin... You had those who were teaching sin. So you had these two groups. So one didn't, they didn't participate in the sin, but they didn't do anything about it. They didn't do anything about the bad teaching. But they didn't. But the other ones were engaged in it and doing it. They, they just didn't say anything. They just let it be. Just let it happen. That's why Jesus says in verse 20, he says this, You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet by teaching by, by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So who is this woman, Jezebel? I've, I've heard a lot of teachings. I grew up in the church about Jezebel. Some were in the Bible, some were not. But there's a lot of stuff about Jezebel. And Jesus is referring to a, a, a woman, a, a real woman in the church. that She's acting like Jezebel. But who is this Jezebel? So He's referring to probably the most despicable queen in all of Israel's history. And you can read of her horrific behavior in First and Second Kings. Let me encourage you to do it. It's some great, interesting reading. But Jezebel was the puppet master. She was a, a master manipulator. She was a deceiver. She was the one behind the scenes controlling the decisions of her weak, mamsy, pamsy, weak-wristed, husband, King Ahab. And she influenced her husband to worship pagan idols. She influenced her husband to kill the prophets of God. On one occasion, she, she saw a vineyard she liked. Maybe she liked the wine out of there. I don't know. But she's like, can we just kill that guy so I can get the vineyard? And her husband did it. She was a vile woman. She was nasty. She was authoritative. She was domineering. She was scheming. She, was, she thought she knew everything. She was brash, she was vicious, she had, but she had a charisma. Boy, she had a charisma, man. She could light up a room, and when she taught, people were like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, she, she just moved everybody. She was, people were drawn to her. They wanted to follow her, and the king just rolled over, and she controlled and pushed her agenda and appointed herself as a prophetess. She was a delight to be around. Just kidding. 
There's an old joke that says this. It says that we name our sons David and Paul, and we name our daughters Mary and Rachel. Our dogs we name Goliath and Nero, but we name our cats Jezebel. But anyway, we're just... (laughs) Sorry, cat lovers. I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. (laughs) But this wasn't the real Jezebel from 1 King. This was a woman who had similar characteristics. And again, let me remind you, the spirit is not gender-specific. You can be doing all of that thing and be a, be a dude and be walking in the spirit of Jezebel. It, this is just, these are, about, these are the attributes of this individual. This was a woman of powerful personality. She built her own kingdom within the church. She was pushing her own agenda. She had a theological following in this church. And she was teaching something. People were like, wow, I've never heard of that before. That's wonderful. And that, that helps me. She was smart. She was powerful in speech. And what's very interesting, what she was teaching made sense. You're like, well, yeah, I guess that could be true because she had a following. People were like, okay, no, that makes sense. So it, it's like, it was like they thought, wow, she's a great teacher. She's a prophetess, a self-appointed prophetess. But really, she was deceptive. And what she was teaching in the church, in church would, would lead the people of God away from what they were supposed to be doing. It would lead the people of God away from the lordship of Jesus Christ. What she was teaching gave the appearance of wisdom and shine and wonderful things and with deep understanding and exclusiveness. Ooh, now we understand this and nobody else does. Listen, church, make sure that a lot of of times we are are led away by the exclusiveness of a particular teaching. Oh, wow, well, nobody's ever taught this before. Listen, nobody's taught it before. Ask yourself, why hasn't anyone taught it before? And so we can be led away. She was led of the devil to bring confusion and sin and make people, the people of God, useless in the mission of God. This happens a lot in churches. We, there's a new teaching or a new dude or a new gal or, or this new thing of the spirit. Ooh, this is really, and we, we just go all in. Well, yes, could the enemy use some of these things? Yes, why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to live out the mission of God. He, he wants to get you distracted. He wants to get you starstruck. He, he, he wants to get you like, well, we, we are really in the club that understands the things of the Spirit. Those other folks, they don't. We really got it going on because the guy I'm, I'm following, he, he says we do. So I believe him. This happens all the time. Why? Why would church people do that? I'll tell you why. Because we are human and we have pride and everybody wants to have something that somebody else doesn't have. And we got to be careful. And our pursuit of holiness, my friends, do not be led astray by the exclusiveness of an individual's charismatic teaching and the promise of something new that no one else has or be a part of a special club of understanding. Because the truth, like why, why are we so deceived as believers? Why do this? Because, because deception is, is a tricky thing. Someone's teaching a, a, a philosophy or or an idea, why is it hard to discern? It's because usually that has a little bit of truth. On the surface, it's a, it's a, it's, it sounds truthful. That's why it's hard to detect it's false because the surface seems right, but as you get below it, it is wrong. I think a real valuable lesson as what, what can we learn from this is that anything that tempts you away from the word of God the whole counsel of God's word, or someone's big personality that gets your eyes off of Jesus and on to them, or something that makes you feel special because you're a part of a particular club. If Listen, if it causes you to get your eyes 
Not focused on Jesus and focused on that thing or that teaching. That thing or that teaching is not of God and you should reject it in Jesus' name. (laughs) Refuse to tolerate bad Bible teaching that doesn't take into account the whole of Scripture. And we'll be able to do that by reading the Word, knowing the Word, listening to the Word, understanding the Word, trusting the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Obeying the word, being in relationships in the church with other believers that we can walk together and we can be a church that shines the holiness of God to the world around us. Yeah, you know, this letter, yes, it was written, written to people in the church. But as I was really challenged as I read this and, and was studying this this week, really, if you were to really lean in a little further, this letter was really written to the pastors and the leaders of the church who did nothing about what was going on. They were weak. Someone should have stepped in. Someone should have confronted her, but they didn't. Many scholars believe, why didn't they confront? Why didn't they say, hey, listen, this is off. This is not right. This is not biblical. Why didn't they do that? Well, they were afraid that they would lose many of the people in that church that were following that idea, following that teaching, and following her. So they chose to be weak, lousy pastors instead of being the ones that God called them to be. So they gave in to the fear of man, and they tolerated sin and tolerated bad doctrine. And I, I want to share with you something. I, I just want to say, so you know my heart, as, as your pastor, and I speak for the other leaders and pastors and teachers here on our staff. We are committed to make sure that anything that is taught under the name of Faith Bible Chapel is sound solid, it is biblical, good biblical doctrine that can be affirmed. Now hear me, can be affirmed throughout the whole of Scripture. We, we don't allow people to, to build a whole idea off one chapter of the Bible. No, it needs, to, it needs to be a part of the whole counsel of God. If we hear something that's being taught in some, some small group or something here under the, the guidelines of Faith Bible Chapel or at one of something, something that we're holding, we will address it as soon as possible. God has given us the responsibility of teaching the word, guiding, being guided by the word. Since Jesus is our leader, I think we should let him lead. And we want to make sure that biblical teaching is preached here. Because doctrine really matters. Because, you, listen, you, you, you can take a whole lot of, lot of something that sounds right and you inject this or you build, you take this niche idea from Scripture and you build a whole ministry, you build a whole thing around it. That is deception because it gets you off of, it causes, actually it causes confusion. And you, well, how, I don't understand. I don't get this. I don't understand. Why are you so much into this or into that? What happens? It gets you off of the purpose of the church, which is the mission of Jesus Christ through the church to a lost and dying world. Matter of fact, what's so funny is the, is the Bible actually tells people, hey, I would, uh, if you want, you want to be a teacher, I don't know if you should do that. James chapter 1 says this. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why does it matter that we as a church, as, as the pastors of the church, hold, make, take this very, very seriously? Because um, we're being judged more strictly. By God, because we're leading his bride, his church, we're teaching his word. He is like, hey, be careful. And so we say, you got it. (laughs) 
I want to make sure that when he judges us or this church and he leans in a little further, he's going to say, well done, good job. You held the reins of my word. Listen, as we, my friends, we are pursuing holiness, and we want all that God has for us. But we have an enemy. But you need to know something. That enemy has been defeated, and he's going to try all kinds of stuff to get you off track, to get you chasing these different things, to be exclusive, and to get you to stop pursuing holiness, to stop pursuing God. But we know that as we lean into the word, as we, if, as we submit our lives to Jesus every day, he will guard us, and we, guard us and we will flourish in him as we pursue holiness. Another way to guard yourself in the pursuit of holiness, number three, you must reject sexual immorality. We live in a sexualized world that's telling you all the time, if you feel it, do it. If you got the desire, act on it all the time. Jesus said this woman was misleading the servants of God into sexual sin. Remember, they lived in, a, in this small town. In order to get a job, you had to join this union. In order to join the union, you had to engage in idol worship, which led to sexual immorality. She was teaching, though. Now listen to this. She was teaching that the body and the soul were separate. That the body could not be redeemed, but the soul could. And this is what Jezebel, or this, this woman, Jesus calls Jezebel, was teaching. And because of that, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It's not because your soul is going to be saved for Jesus, by Jesus. So it's like, hey, just go on out. Doesn't matter. God wants you to have a job anyway, so go do your thing. But just, just know your soul's saved by Jesus. So this, this teaching probably sounded like this. Hey, remember, you're free in Christ. Remember, it won't hurt anything. Remember, Jesus took all the sin upon himself so that you're not guilty of it. So you can do whatever you want with your body. It's not sin. Jesus wants you to have a successful business. He wants you to enjoy. And, buy, and how you do that is engage in pagan worship. Probably sound like this. Listen, God gave you these sexual desires, and it doesn't matter what they are. Just follow them. It's okay. He doesn't mind. God wouldn't give you sexual desires that he doesn't want you to act on. Besides, God's only concerned with the condition of your soul. He doesn't care what we do with our bodies. That's the teaching she was teaching. Just so you're aware, that's a teaching that was birthed in hell. <laughs> And we, it, listen, the churches even today are, we're seeing this. It's interesting how the teachings of Jezebel we're seeing in churches today. It's still active in our world. And they sound like this. Listen, if you have the desire, it must be who you are. If you're not satisfied with your spouse, God wants you to be happy. and God understands. Or it's even the, the, the subtle things of, of open and affirming of a lifestyle that God says is sin for his people, his holy people. Now listen, let me just sidestep for a second. The word of God only applies to the people of God. So when the church expects someone who doesn't know Jesus to act like a Christian, you've got it backwards the only way that a person can even follow the word is for their lives and hearts to be regenerated by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Then their journey starts of pursuing holiness. So we need to, listen, people are not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. And so our job, yes, is to love them, our job, but our job is to set the standard of what it means to be God's holy people. 
And we see churches that are just, they're giving in and they're, they're flying flags and they're you know, just do whatever. They're, yes, God's okay with it. And God's like, Jezebel, I'm not. We've got to be careful in our own lives to reject sexual immorality. Reject it. Get it out of your life. Families, today's the day. Get a filter on your internet. Son, we're not watching this stuff anymore. I'm not having this. What, honey, here's my, here's my phone. You can look at it all you want. You, reject it. The, anything you would do online or social media, listen, reject it. God says, now's the time. Let's be a holy people. Amen? Our sexuality is a big deal to God because he gave it to us as a gift. And he defines what it is. Listen, my sexual desires do not define and give me my identity. My Jesus gives me my identity. Therefore, it is in him. I have desires. Listen, you have desires that you're like, yeah, but I'm not satisfied with my spouse. I'm not satisfied. With, but I have these desires. Well, listen, take a number, get in line. And the Bible says, as a believer, crucify your flesh and follow the word. I'm not saying it's easy. But what I'm saying is that Jesus sets the standard for how I live my life, and we need to reject, in a sexualized world, sexual immorality. So what if we get off course? What if you're here today and you say, Jason, I've blown it. I've bought into a lie. I've, I've listened to Jezebel, and, I, and here I am, and I'm, I've made some mistakes. I've fallen. Or maybe you have given in to... to to bad doctrine, and maybe you've been chasing things in exclusive clubs so that you can, you can feel good about yourself. And the Holy Spirit right now is saying something to you and saying, I, it's revealing to you this has actually happened in your life. One, thank God the Holy Spirit can reveal something to you. It means you're tuned to him. If we're no longer convicted over sin, that's a really scary place to be. But the Holy Spirit is probably revealing things in our lives right now. And you know why? Because he's a, he, we have a good father who actually cares enough to show us something. Just like my dad would say, hey, son, this, this needs to be corrected. And son, I saw this attitude. And son, where are you going to go? Where are you gonna, like, why? Because he cares. Because he wants me to walk in, in, the, in the call of God on my life. God does the same thing for us. So is he revealing something in your life today? Do you realize that you've allowed some deception to make its way into your life? You've, 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 opened, you've stopped guarding your life. Jesus wants you to be refreshed and step into a new world today. It's so important to understand that God knows you can't be perfect. If you could, you wouldn't need Jesus. But perfection is the mark, what is, is what Scripture says. We strive for, but he does expect us, even though we're going to stumble, even though we're going to fall, he does expect us to apply the next guard for our lives and our pursuit of holiness. Number four, repent often and quickly. Repent. When you stumble, don't wait. Do it quickly. Don't let shame or guilt keep you away from God. Run to God. Confess. Ask him to cleanse you, to guard your thoughts, your emotions in that moment. Bring it into the light of Jesus Christ. Because every time you do, the sin loses its power over your life. So repent and do it quick. So after all the filthy, horrible things that Jezebel and her followers did, 
listen to what Jesus says about this, this teaching and these people, and particularly Jezebel. He said this. He said, I have given her time to repent. If you're breathing today, if you hear this today, you still have time. He's given you time. He's been patient. He's a, he's a God of patience and long-suffering. For some of you today, your joy and your peace and your deliverance, your life of purpose, a strong marriage, a clear conscience is found on the other side of a prayer of repentance. He's waiting there. As I said earlier, God, he's, he's, he's waiting to run to you. we got to take a step. I love the heart of David as David stumbled and fell and he, he was so intimate with God. He was called a man after God's heart. This is what he says out of Psalms. He said this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He knew that, why? What, search me and point out what? He's saying this, I can, I can start believing things that just aren't true, God. I can start leaning and, and, and thinking of this philosophy or this idea or this isn't that big of a deal. He says, search me, point out anything that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. This is, we need to understand, we need the word of God in our life. We need to understand, we need to have it a part of our lives. We need to come and, and worship together and allow the word to be preached and us apply it to our lives. And because Jezebel and her followers and those in the, in the, involved in the teaching and the sin, we have the strongest words of condemnation are in this chapter. It is chilling to hear the consequences of her rejecting Jesus. Rejecting. But please, no, she, was, she wasn't saying Jesus isn't the Son of God. She was saying it doesn't matter what you do. It, she was being deceived and she was leading other people with them. What's chilling more to me personally, what's chilling more than the judgment is that Jesus gave them a chance to repent and they refused. He extended grace. He pointed things out in their hearts. He wrote them a letter. Man, I tell you, we got a letter from Jesus. You better believe if I was Jezebel, like, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I repent. Like, he wrote you a letter, sweetheart. Do something about it, right? But she refuses. It shows the hardness of her heart. We're going to pursue holiness with the help of God. You can't pursue holiness without the help of God. But when you become his kid, it's your identity. We, we walk and live from that. We're going to lay bare before God everything in our lives that's hidden from him. We're going to refuse to tolerate sin and bad doctrine. We're not going to have it. We're not going to have it. Make a decision. Not going to have it. Say that with me. I'm not going to have it. Good. You could say with a southern accent it feels better. That's okay. Not going to have it. Knock it off. We're going to reject sexual immorality. We're going to reject temptation and actually live in the grace of God when we're tempted. We know, Scripture says, He always gives a way out. The whole Scripture says, it says God won't put any more on you than you can handle. The context of that is in temptation to sin. It's not in, like, it's not in, in, a, in a traffic jam. Oh, God, I can't take that. Well, I know, God, you won't give me more traffic than I can handle. No, that doesn't apply there. This is about temptations to sin. It says there is not a temptation that God won't provide a way out. You don't have to sin. He will provide a way out. 
He provides it. We just have to walk in it. We're, when we do stumble, we're going to run to him. We're going to repent. We're going to do it quickly. We're going to refuse to tolerate bad Bible teaching and sin. And we're going to stand our ground for what it means to be a holy people. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be opposed. You're going to bear probably the marks of Jesus. It could be the mark of rejection. It could be the mark of a loss of a job. It could be the, the, the mark of being ridiculed. It could be a mark of being canceled by your friends. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're going to bear a mark. But for those who do these things, for those who hold fast, Jesus said this. You will, number five, you will receive your future reward from Jesus Listen to what Jesus tells these believers. They were holding on. They were walking it out. He says, hold on to what you have until I come. In other words, I'm coming for you. Just hold on to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end. I will give authority over the nations that will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Who has, who, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to our church, to the churches. Listen, if you're faithful to do the work in this life, you will, God will be faithful to allow you to be a part of his work in the next. He will. He's a man of, he, he, he doesn't lie. And then when you're like, Jason, I can't do it. My life, I have all this. Listen, ask him to help you. Ask him. He gives you the power to overcome sin. He gave you the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. What does that mean? To live righteously in a way that brings a witness to God. He's, he's empowered you. He gives you the anointing to overcome sin. He gives you the power to, to, no matter what you're against, no matter how much rejection, you hold strong because your father owns your life. You are his kid, and you're going to act like one. And you're like, this is my family. This is who I am. I'm going to walk different. I'm going to talk different. I'm going I'm to respond differently. I'm not going to go in and give my life to some pagan worship of, of sexuality or, or alcohol or drugs. I'm going to remain in the confines of Scripture. Because one day, man, I'm going to get a reward. That's why. And I'm going to walk it out. That, to me, my favorite part of this whole passage is this. Jesus in Scripture is called the bright and morning star. And he says this. If you hold fast, you're going to get the morning star. What's he saying? He goes, you're going to get me. So one day you're going to close your eyes and open up. And he's going to be like, good morning. Morning star here. He said, we, we get Jesus face to face. We get to know him. We get to walk with him. We get to, we, get to, we get to know him. Listen, I gave my life to Jesus at five years old, and I've, I've had some bumps along the way, but I gave my life to a Jesus that I couldn't see, but I could feel. He's transformed my life. He's done miracles in my life. One day, if you will hold on and trust him, you're going to get to see your Savior face to face. It's going to be a good day. But for us, God's calling us to be holy people. He's calling our families to be a holy family. He's the one that will help you. Let's make a decision today. We choose to be a holy people, a holy nation, a church that holds fast to his word. And we will trust him in every circumstance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you, God, that I know in this room. You have revealed, you have convicted, you've shown us areas that we didn't even know we were deceived in. And so as your children, we say, 
Lord, forgive me. We run, we repent quickly, and we make a decision. We're going to do this often, God, as we stumble. We're going to just run to you. Lord, we make a decision today. We're going to reject bad doctrine. We're not going to chase exclusive doctrines that make us feel better. God, forgive us for our pride. Lord, we're going to allow your word to speak to us. Lord, we're going to be careful. We're going to to guard our lives as we pursue you. And you're going to guard us as well. Lord, today we make a decision to reject all sexual morality. Lord, if there are any areas in any of our lives right now, God, we just confess and we say we're sorry and we repent And as we repent, Lord, you restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, we lay our lives at your feet. We submit our hearts to your word. And we want to shine the attractive shine of a holy people to a world that needs us. So, Lord, we give you our lives today. Thank you for your word that doesn't shy away. It's not always fun, but it doesn't shy away of providing the pathway for us to live the life that we all want anyway. So we're grateful for your love and your care. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here and you realize, Jason, I don't know Jesus and I would need to give my life to Jesus today. I recognize that judgment is, is awaiting me unless I give my life to Jesus. If you're here in this room or joining us online, no, no eyes are looking around. This is between you and God. But I, I want to ask you that if you want to receive Jesus... And come to him and be saved just to raise your hand right now. Lift your hand up. Lift it up right now. Just hold your hand up so I can see you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't let this moment slip. To join us online, you can do the same. We're going to pray together. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you, Bible says this, if you pray this and you believe it, you will be saved. Let's pray together. Let's everybody pray. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me my sins. I need you. Thank you for convicting me today. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I put my trust in you today. I commit my life to you. My life belongs to you. And with your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus, do me a huge favor and text SAVE to the number on the screen. Please do that. We want to help you on your next step as you follow Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. I would be honored if you'd allow me to pray a blessing over you. And after we pray, please know that we have some some of our leaders down here who would be honored to pray with you. For anything that you're going through or anything that you need. If you can, just lift your hands to receive from the Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless every person in this room watching online. God, I pray to bless their families, bless their relationships, open doors that only you can open, close doors that only you can close. God, we commit our lives to you today. May we shine today. God, may you go with us and may we hear your voice cheering us on to be the people of God, to shine like the people of God. So God, I bless my friends today. Encourage them, strengthen them. Let them walk with a fresh confidence that you were with them and you were for them. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a good day.